brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you on this uh, Thursday morning, uh, exciting morning we've uh, got for you this morning, courtesy of Brandt as well, our local John Deere equipment supplier, branches uh, throughout the country, uh, so uh, looking forward to uh, our association with them. It's a busy old morning, we will keep an eye on the golf, Ryan Fox uh, three up with three to go over Harris English, which is a fantastic first up performance uh, in the, uh, ex- well, it's not the Accenture, it's the Dell match play being played at the Austin Country Club. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that for you throughout the morning and all those results. We're going to talk to Gary Stead. Looking forward to this. A uh, bit of a report card from Steady on the, the back of uh, the Test Series uh, against Sri Lanka and the Test Summer coming to an end. And, of course, we've still got uh, half a dozen white ball games against Sri Lanka coming up beginning this weekend. 9.30, we'll be talking to uh, Richard Agar, of course, one New Zealand Warriors assistant coach. And uh, the Warriors are at home for the first time. Um, and I say home because uh, they're at Mount Smart taking on the Bulldogs, and uh, they're going pretty well, pretty well. That'll be a, a really keen clash, that one. As will uh, the Maratu against Chief Manawa. Now, this is on Saturday afternoon. Uh, it's the grand final of Super Rugby Orpiki, and it's at 2.05 at FMG Stadium in Hamilton. Yep, Maratu and Chiefs Manawa, the playing through champions. Panel this morning, Aidan McLaughlin and Ben Strang. A number of issues to look at there. Uh, and then after 11 o'clock, uh, we, uh, and I say we because um, we really want Logan Swinkles in on this as well, to have a chat to Aaron Young. He's the uh, Auckland Tuatara head coach, so uh, Logan will be asking most of the questions there. But looking forward to that because the sales NBL season, just a fortnight away. Uh, so uh, plenty to talk about there. Uh, with a, uh, a relatively new franchise still. So uh, that is our morning, and uh, I think we should get started. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, what a dope you are, Robertson. What a complete and utter dope you have been as well. On a day when your namesake was getting all the right headlines, plaudits and best wishes going forward, you were not. In fact, the exact opposite. Sorry, it's you, Zane, I'm referring to here. First of all, taking EPO, then concocting the most outrageous pack of lies to try and get yourself out of it once you were caught. A truly bizarre web you tried to weave and the extent you went to desperate and extraordinary. And at a time when New Zealand athletics are starting to parade some serious world-class talent across the board, there's a headline the world takes notice of. It's a blight on New Zealand athletics, it's a blight on Kenyan athletics, and what's worse, you tried to blame it on the Kenyan health system. An extraordinary story for all the wrong reasons, thank God for Razor's headlines, although they weren't without a bit of the old Mickey Mouse in terms of the method too. And I'm almost looking forward to what Grant dishes up shortly as well. I said almost, mind you. I mean, does anyone ever look forward to a budget? It's almost an ugly word alongside dope. Dope. Too much dope. Right, it's uh, 9.06 here on SENZ. Uh, time to talk some cricket now with uh, Black, Cope's, Black Cap's head coach, uh, Gary Stead. Steady, of course, is uh, uh, overseeing um, a six-match uh, one-day series uh, against Sri Lanka. 
um, which will be uh, the end, uh, the final full stop on uh, the summer at home for the Black Caps. Uh, and then, of course, they've got a World Cup to look forward to. So thought it would be a great chance to have a little bit of a report card with, uh, with Steady this morning. Uh, welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, good morning. All right, uh, first of all, um, Gary, um, during the week, uh, the headline was that you're pretty keen now to see a split coaching role. Uh, what's, um, what's led you to um, all of a sudden take this stance? Uh, look, I mean, we've been talking about it for a while, so it's not just my idea, Smithy. Um, but I, I think the way uh, cricket is in the world at the moment, it goes from tour to tour to tour, and uh, we're doing it for players and trying to manage workloads. And I think if we're serious about trying to keep staff around and, and look after staff in the future, then it only makes sense that we, we consider this as well. And most countries are doing it around the world now. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's the right time to consider it in New Zealand as well. So were you looking at uh, a red ball, white ball split or breaking it into the three disciplines? Look, I, I don't know just yet. I think there are ongoing discussions at the moment that, that are happening. Um, it, it could be a, a T20 coach, for example, that comes in and takes one format. So I think all options are still on the table. It's just for us working out what is the way that's the best for New Zealand cricket going forward. Would you have a preference uh, if uh, if was to split the role that you've got now? I mean, and you're the incumbent. Would would you have a preference? Which is the game? Which is the form of the game that excites you the most or gets you going the most? Uh, look, I mean, I don't really have a preference. I love what Test cricket is about. Oh, I love the the battles over five days. But equally, I enjoy the um, the short format where you see results happen quickly. You've got to think on your feet quickly as well. So. Are all, all I guess, different formats uh, uh, are exciting for different reasons. Mm, okay, right. We'll get on to, uh, if we can, um, Gary, with um, a, a little look at um, the World Test Championship and uh, what unfolded. Of course, you're the playing through champions uh, with your hands on the mace. Won't be the case uh, this time around with Australia actually qualifying to play India at uh, the Oval. Um, so from going to the champions to uh, an improving sixth, and it was a late charge that you put on as well, which was impressive. Um, where do you think mm. it went wrong this time around, this campaign? Oh, look, I mean, it's, uh, we, we didn't get, the, I guess, the same momentum and, uh, that we had in, in other formats. And whilst you're right, we finished strongly. There were probably some other results overseas that we'd hope to do better against. And you remember uh, the the three test matches versus England that we lost all of them, we were probably in positions to, to win all three at certain uh, periods of the game as well. So that's uh, certainly one series that, that stands out, that, that we didn't get the results that we were perhaps, we had got the previous year. So I think the exciting thing, though, Smitty, around this this um, concept is we start a new uh, cycle soon and, and we've got genuinely, I think, six or seven teams that could win it if they play well over a two-year cycle and that's what's exciting is we get the chance to start from afresh again and um, play what will be a pretty tough cycle with the, with the draw that we've got but um, that's the way it goes. Okay, so um, obviously um, you know you get to over a period of time you get players come and go throughout the side. You lost to what I would class as world-class players. Uh, certainly Ross was one of his last acts was um, the last World Cup uh, Test Championship final, of course, and then, of course, you lost, um, more latterly, you lost uh, Trent Bolt. Um, you know, uh, true world-class players. Are you confident that um, you'll be able to fill those places in time? How, do you, how are you feeling about that at the moment? 
I think over time you, you, you have to give opportunities to, to others to prove their worth as well and I think it's easy to, to go from a selection point of view and throw people out a little bit quickly but um, what people what people sort of realise is the Trent Bolts, the Kane Williamsons, the the Tim Southies, those, those Ross Taylors, they weren't finished products when they started their careers either so it's important we just have a little bit of... Uh, I guess time and, and, and understanding around these guys. I, I'm, I'm. Uh, it's very. I think it's very dif- difficult to go and, and replace your Ross Taylors, your Trent Bolts, and those types of people because they just simply aren't out there. They are once in a lifetime type type cricketers, and so it's always difficult. But one of the things we'll pride ourselves on as a team is, is how how hard we can fight, how long we can stay in the battle for, and when you do that, you never know what can what can sometimes. I guess happen at the at the result end. One of the uh, examples of what you were just talking about there is uh, giving person a decent run at it. Um, it's classically, uh, I think, uh, illustrated by Henry Nichols. Um, you know, you, mm. was a lot of people. We've had a lot of people. You know, you know that you know, there were people um, saying, "Look, uh, time's up for Henry." Um, he, you know, he's had a decent old crack at it. It's time to uh, give someone else an opportunity. You persisted. Uh, he came up trumps for you uh, last time round. Tell us about that um, consistency, that that patient policy that you have with your players. I just believe that uh, when you do that, uh, you get the best out of people. And I think that the danger is if you start chopping and changing too quickly, then everyone starts looking over their shoulder and thinking, is it me next? And you take the focus away from them trying to have free minds just to make good decisions and the in the battle if, uh, if they're then worried about the axe being over their head as well, um, which still does happen, of course, from time to time. But um, I think you get the, the best out of people. You get the best out of the team as well. And, and I think for a nation like ours, um, the danger in chopping and changing all the time is you just don't have a settled unit. And I think we need a settled unit to be at our best. OK. Uh, Finn Allen, would you put him in the same bracket then for, uh, when it comes to white ball cricket? Yeah, well, Finn's in an interesting situation at the moment. He, he will get a run for us on Saturday night versus Sri Lanka, and um, then he's a he's a guy that, that's going to head, head over to the IPL with eight or nine others, and so we won't see him for a while. Um, but I think, look, any player who's not not necessarily getting the runs or the wickets that they're hoping for always will, I guess, have you have that element of doubt around what you're doing. So I think it's our job as support staff and and. Um, and other players as well to get around those guys and get the best out of them. That, that's ultimately what we're trying to do is, is get the best out of each individual in the group. Well, Gary, obviously with um, Henry Nichols coming back into form, it looks from all intensive purposes from the outside that the top six is pretty well settled again. But uh, then you come into um, the interesting bracket, um, the Michael Bracewell and the Seema type bracket. Uh, at this point, you're giving Michael Bracewell a, a decent old run as the preferred uh, spin option. How have you felt about his development and are you still keeping a very open mind to, to that role, bearing in mind overseas a, a spinner is m- much more required than they are at home? Yeah, I think if you look at the Pakistan series, we had three spin options there that were frontliners for us with Michael, Ajaz and Isodi as well and I thought and the three of them both, yeah, in tandem really, really well, or not tandem, whatever, three people is um, but, but uh, so we're certainly open to, to that idea of having different people fulfilling different roles in, in the different countries. Um, 
Michael's obviously done very well in, in white ball cricket for us, and I think is developing nicely uh, with his red ball stuff. Uh, he he bowled forty odd overs into the wind into a howling gale the other day, and I thought held an end really well while still looking dangerous at times. And that's ultimately what we're we're looking for in that spin role. Um, one of the hardest positions we've looked look to fill, uh, Smithy, is probably Colin de Grondheim because he had the ability to, to bat and bowl for you and I guess it's something we're still searching for and balancing up our team. In terms of uh, the seamers, uh, you've had uh, quite a, lo- a long look at uh, quite a few now. Um, to back up, um, obviously, Tim, now um, uh, Matt Henry becomes uh, his lieutenant, obviously. Uh, and then uh, it's an interesting bracket. Uh, how how settled, how open-minded are you about the rest of the seam bowling area? Bearing in mind you've got injuries at the moment with uh, with Wagner, of course, and Jameson. Yeah, well, I mean, Jameson has proven he's he's world class, um, fastest fastest bowler to sort of fifty test wickets, and I'm sure when he comes back from his injury, and he, as long as he's tracking well, he he will come back into that test line-up. Um, that, that, and who knows what will happen in the future as well. I mean, Trent Bolt may become more available to us and it may be something that we also consider. So we, we're certainly open to, to different ideas, but we also have to keep developing that next tier below that. Um, we have New Zealand A games that are coming up uh, when we play them in a series in April and then also in August, September next year. So there are the types of opportunities when we can, I guess, test some of those those newer guys. Uh, Tom Blundell's had an extraordinarily good time uh, since taking over from BJ Watling. Yes, he he has been exceptional. Um, I think it took Tom uh, a year or so really to find his feet and work out that he didn't have to be BJ, didn't have to do it BJ's way and... Um, I think for me, his glove work's come on another level, and I think his, his batting, he's just become a, like a, an exceptional foil, especially with Daryl Mitchell, but also with the um, batting with the tail as well, which has been yeah extraordinary to watch, and, and we're just so pleased that Tom's with us. I mean, he, he's doing a fantastic job. Right, let's uh, look at uh, someone um, who uh, is on everyone's, uh, the name is on everyone's lips uh, at the moment because his run of form is outstanding. Uh, not that long ago, um, you and Kane Williamson decided that perhaps, um, you know, he could uh, relinquish the, the test captaincy. Uh, we, a lot of people wondered uh, whether that would have an effect on him. Um, if you look at the numbers, clearly um, it's had a pretty good effect. Yeah, look, I mean, Kane's a world-class batsman. I think what he's done the last three Test matches is has proven that the the innings in particular that I remember is the the hundred he got uh, in the first Test for Sri Lanka at Hagley on a really difficult fifth-day wicket uh, just showed, I think, his class. He's he's uh, whether he's captain or not. I mean, his his record for New Zealand is is up there with the best, if not the best. And and look, we hope he continues to play for a long time he, he's, a, he's a great leader still within our group and um, the guys he, he's certainly hugely respected not just from us but all around the world Tell us about the change in uh, personality then going from Kane to Tim Southey because uh, you know Tim Southey looks as if, if for all intents and purposes also um, he's warmed to the task quite nicely Yeah he has I mean it, it's always a little bit of a different dynamic when you go from a batsman being um, I guess skipper and, and leader of the group to, to a pace bowler and I think uh, 
usually your batsmen are a little bit more conservative in their thinking than, than what the, the bowlers are. They want to get the job done and get off the park quickly. And, and I think regardless of that, again, Tim's hugely respected in the group. He, he's been around the team for a long time. He's played a lot of cricket in all formats. Um, but he, he brings his own slightly different, I guess, method of, of getting around people to, to, to what Kane did. Right, let's uh, carry um, your next uh, focus, obviously, is the World Cup uh, coming up, and that's the 50-over version. So uh, you've named um, an interesting-looking squad. It's quite extended because you've got players, um, obviously, heading off. Um, so the Finn Allens, uh, the, you know, um, the, the Glenn Phillips, etc., who have got uh, IPL commitments. So how close would you say? How, how, how many spots are you looking at in terms of your World Cup? Uh, this far out. How open-minded are you? I, I think we would have uh, 80% of our World Cup squad pretty locked in um, and, and pro- providing there's not injuries. Um, I think we are pretty close to knowing who are the types of players and who are the players that, that we're looking at to go to India. So for me, this is a, a magnificent opportunity to not only look at those fringe players, but also start planning for the next World Cup as well. And uh, and, and that's, that's whilst it's four years away, um, it's still a, a, an opportunity to start testing people at international cricket. And um, it naturally, I guess with guys being away in the IPL, it naturally gives us that opportunity. Obviously, um, one uh, that I'm interested in is the wicketkeeping role, wicketkeeper batsman role. In the past, you've been using uh, Tom, but you've included uh, Tom Latham, that is, uh, as well as being skipper. Mm. But you've also, this time you put Tom Blunder in there. Is that, is that your, you're leaving that a bit open? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, Tom Bundle has been so instrumental in the in the Test game in the last eighteen months. We felt, and we and we left him out of the white ball cricket uh, for a while, so he could really get his teeth into the red ball game. We think it's time he comes back in now. I think he's he's uh, shown, I guess, the the attributes that we're looking for in international cricket, and think that he still possibly could play a, a place for us in the. Um, in the World Cup in India in the future. So we want to test that a little bit more. We want to see how how Tom goes, but it's really the international experience that he does have that I think he brings back to the team as well. People looking at domestic cricket will have seen the name uh, Chad Bowes on a regular basis. Tell us a wee bit about him as his first inclusion in the squad. Yeah, well, Chad's gone down the sort of Devon Conway route of, of qualifying as a South African originally. Um, he actually kept in the South African under-19 side. Uh, I'm not sure what year it was, but it was quite a while ago now. But um, he's, a, he's a right-handed uh, batsman. He, he, he goes at a reasonable clip. He um, just plays good cricket shots, and he's a, he's a brilliant fieldsman as well. As well. He's uh, very athletic great arm on him so I'm looking for him to add something in our, in our fielding unit. Just had a text in from Graham who's listening in and said uh, where do you see Doug Bracewell future lies? Uh, is he the kind of Colin de Grandholm type player you, you're sort of looking for? Is that a possibility? Yeah I'm, I'm not sure Doug's batting is quite as good as what uh, Colin's was but that's, that's our goal is to try and get him up to that stage as well. I mean Dougie did a great job for us in, in Wellington. He, he's the kind of player that, again, has a lot of experience that we know what we'll get day in, day out. So if you're looking for someone that's reliable, um, then then Dougie's, Dougie's there for us. He, he's 
yeah, he, he's been around the first class scene for a, a good period of time now. So certainly he's a, a name that's in the mix. He, he would have been selected earlier in the season for us as well in, in that England series, but had a groin niggle at the time that ruled him out. Okay, Gary, uh, great to catch up with you. Um, sounds like uh, you're pretty satisfied with the way it all finished up. Uh, two uh, two great games of uh, Test cricket with a great deal of tension about them in a row. Um, you might coach for 10 years and not get two last ball finishes, mate. <laughs> no, that's right. I mean, uh, I think the Test cricket, uh, the last England game there and, and the first game with Sri Lanka were just fantastic. And it just shows the the game is about small margins at times and, and even when you can do it in a test game over five days and I think it, it makes those matches particularly memorable um, and I, as I said to the guys, I think you look back over your career, it's not always the ones you win so easily, it's the close ones that you'll remember. Yeah, I think so uh, and the public obviously remember those two and all the drama associated with it. Uh, Gary, thanks for your time, good luck in, in this uh White Ball series against Sri Lanka. I hope you get out of it what, you, uh, what you're looking for. And uh, then, of course, uh, the plan towards the World Cup. Uh, pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers, man. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, mate. Right. Uh, Gary Steed there, of course, head coach for the Black Caps. And, uh, yeah, those, um, those two results right at the very end. Um, they could have gone the other way. And all of a sudden, um, it is such a fine line. Played over five days. It comes down to such a fine margin. Um, and the fact that we got the nod on both of those occasions... Uh, what a difference it looks on paper, those two wins that could easily have been two losses. That's how finally you define a cricket season over a period of time. 9.24 here on SENZ. Your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, 929. News very shortly. Just uh, news through that uh, Ryan Fox has beaten uh, Harris English two up in the first round of uh, the Dell match play, world uh, match play. Uh, so he's uh, in a group of four, which also includes uh, Will Zalatoris and Andrew Putnam. Now he plays both of those guys over the next couple of days. Uh, the, le- the winner over the group of four goes through to the round of 16. So that's where uh, Ryan Fox is at at the moment and uh, Putnam beating Zalatoris on the other side. Uh, so uh, if he was to win the first two, um, that would set him up uh, quite nicely, uh, Ryan Fox, to go on through and uh, be part of the last 16. Then you're playing uh, some very serious match play golf for some very serious numbers. But uh, he's capable and he looked ever so impressive this morning. Uh, right, let's uh, get to uh, Araha with the news. And uh, when we return, look to uh, Richard Agar, of course, uh, from the One New Zealand Warriors coaching staff. <laughs> Well, the one New Zealand Warriors put on a convincing performance against the North Queensland Cowboys last round, winning in the heat of Townsville, but now they're uh, finally coming home to their uh, sentimental home, which, of course, is Mount Smart Stadium, to take on the Bulldogs. Uh, SENZ, we will have live commentary on Sunday with Sammy Hewitt and Tony Kemp uh, from uh, 3 p.m., but joining me now this morning is the Warriors assistant coach, uh, Richard Agar, who's brought a wealth of knowledge with him to the club so let's find out more uh, about uh, what Richard's been thinking about the start to the season. Uh, to the season, Richard, thank you for joining us. Oh, good morning, guys. Thanks for inviting me in. Good man. How heading? It's been good heading into round four. It feels like yep. uh, the Warriors, um, on evidence of what we saw towards the end of last year, are finding ways to improve each game. 
Well, where are the coaching staff um, satisfied in terms of the trajectory at this point? Yeah, pretty satisfied. I think I think we're fully aware that uh, while we've had a long pre-season, there's consistently going to be areas that, that I guess we haven't touched on and uh, being able to improve week on week when we come across different scenarios, uh, get different feedback from the players uh, is all part of that journey for us at this moment in time. Uh, you know, we had 16-week pre-season uh, was very valuable to us, but I think you get to a point pre-season where no matter how much you train, it's only when you get to go live in a, you know, in the heat of battle where you get to have a look at your combinations, some of the changes that we've made, how they hold up under pressure. And I think, I think you know, the trial games were really valuable for us. Uh, we got off to a positive start, and, and I think it's um, sort of a bit of an endorsement for some of the, I, I guess, some of the systems that our head coach has tried to implement and, and the belief that the guys have got in them at this moment in time. Well, that's an interesting point uh, you raised there, Richard, because those of us that were watching uh, towards the uh, end of stages of last season noticed a real problem, we all thought, and the, even the head coaches said, with attitude, players not even really wanting to be out there. Um, what yep. are you seeing uh, What are you seeing about um, the attitude, um, you know, particularly during the week as much as game time, about the squad that you've got? Yeah, good question. Uh, and obviously, I, I knew last year I was joining the Warriors, and, and like yourselves, I was watching those games, but I think it's you know it's been a fresh start for everyone. You know the line was drawn pre-season, and everyone was going to get uh, get an opportunity to get the best foot forward. And I would I can only say what I see and say uh, we've had terrific buy-in from the players. I think it does help when um, I guess some of the things we've tried to implement uh, have worked for us and have held up under pressure and, and created that belief. And I think. There's also been a, an influx, if you like, of experienced players that have definitely helped out in terms of leading the way. And, and I'm seeing a very, uh, you know, a group that's very on board with each other at this moment in time. We know that that's going to get challenged during the year. It always does. You know, we always come up against uh, defeats and performances that you don't want that, that sort of challenge you on that point. But at the moment, I think it's been there for all to see because within the games, you know, we we have been challenged and we've been under some adversity. But I think I think our spirit and our effort has really shown through. And even if there's parts of our performance that, you know, we would like to be better or certainly better for longer periods, I think you know the resilience the resilience that they've underpinned the performances with has been, actually been a shining light uh, for us so far. One of the good things as well, Richard, of course, is this is uh, yep. this has all happened away from home. Basically, you've, you've had uh, a home game, but yep. uh, you have not had a Mount Smart opener. And so uh, what about the levels of anticipation uh, around the, the lads for this week? Uh, through the roof. I will say we've been to Christchurch and, and Wellington in a trial game and, and obviously for a competition game. Uh, the support that we've had from people in, in those cities have been fantastic. Uh Again, as an English guy coming in here, I've been like a tourist. It's been amazing to see all these different places in New Zealand and, and the reception that we've got. Um, but as you said, Mount Smart is, is a club's spiritual home. I think the ticket sales uh, have been pretty good with, with a number of days to go before kickoff. Um, you know, Mount Smart, as we all know, you know, and again, I'm talking as a rugby league fan here, uh, some real memorable occasions, iconic occasions. Dean Bell walking out for the first game, the, the homecoming last year where I think 
there probably wouldn't be a rugby league fan that didn't have goosebumps. So, so to have the positive start that we've had and get out in front of what is hopefully a, you know, a buzzing stadium at the weekend, I think everybody's really looking forward to it. But what? But one other thing we do know is we just can't rely on that to get us home. You know, the the support will definitely be a factor for us and really help us. But you know, we we've got to make it happen too. One of the other things, of course, that that had to happen was um, uh, with yourself coming in, Andrew Webster, of course, coming in at the helm. Yep. It's also important, you know, coaches have personalities. How is that all yep. uh, coming together? How's that meshed in so far from your point of view, Richard? Yeah, well, it's been an easy one for myself. I've, I've had a, a long-standing relationship with Andrew uh, and his brother as well over over a long period of time. So, So for me, part of the... Uh, I guess excitement about joining the Warriors with the opportunity to work alongside Andrew. Uh, I think, you know, even for a young guy who's been coaching a long, long time, he'd, he'd had the experience at the Warriors, which I think would stand him uh, in good stead about knowing what to expect when he got into Auckland. Um, and he's a guy that's just come off a, a really successful couple of years being part of Penrith staff team. So um, you can imagine some of the detail around what Andrew's tried to implement is, you know, I, I would say, absolutely at the at the cutting edge of the game. Uh, you know, he's a very confident coach and knows what he wants, and he's, he's quite happy to hold, you know, everyone and anyone accountable to to get the jobs done too. So uh, we've also got Stacey Jones and Justin Morgan that have obviously been at the club for a while as well. So I feel like we've got uh, a good balance. You know, we we always say we want to go on tired but happy, and I think. Uh, we've been getting that at the moment. We've really enjoyed the rapport that we've had with our, uh, you know, the, our respective units and the guys that we coach. Um, and as a group, uh, we have time every week where we spend time, I guess, brainstorming and flashing ideas out and uh, and tossing stuff around in a room. And I think that's been really productive with us. And so, so getting on at work and off the field too. Uh, has made it, you know, so far a really enjoyable experience for us all, I'd say. Richard, uh, one of the words associated with uh, the Warriors is uh, culture. It always has been, probably always yep. will be. Uh, but I can't think of two more diverse cultures uh, than South Auckland and Yorkshire. <laughs> Tell us, tell us about. I've, look, mate, I've been to Leeds. I've, I've been to Leeds. I've been out in Leeds. Um, I've tasted quite a lot of uh, life in Leeds, uh, and I can't yeah. think of a place more far removed. How, how are you finding the fit? Hey, seriously, I've spent plenty of time on that Western Terrace too, watching Test matches at cricket. So, uh, you know, culturally, that can prepare you for uh, a lot of things. Uh, um, mate, I've really enjoyed it. I've, I've, I've worked in Australia uh, a couple of times before. Uh, I've been to Australia many times, but I've not actually been to New Zealand in all, all my time in rugby league. But I found it a really cool city. Uh, the people have been wonderful. Um, and it's an experience that so far I'm enjoying. Uh, part of the cultural diversity uh, without sounding too corny here were, were a big factor for me. You know, I, I was keen to experience. Um, you know, a different country, different cultures, different ways of life, and I just find it, you know, very enriching as an individual that sport gives you the opportunity to do that. Uh, so rugby aside, um, that that will played a big part in my decision making, uh, as well as the fact that I thought it was a good time to join the Warriors. You know, they were coming back home, the slate was clean, 
Uh, I knew Andrew really well. I felt the club was about to about to embark on a on a journey that had been you know pretty exciting to be part of. Uh, at the same time, Cynthia, I'm not going to lie. We knew the challenges. You know, we knew the challenges, mm. and um, for all the good parts about joining the Warriors, there, there's some parts that you know during the course of the year um, it's going to be challenging and a little bit more difficult than some clubs do have it. But but that didn't. You know that didn't phase us one bit. We were like, "Come on, let's let's have a red hot crack at this." Yeah, uh, hey Richard, take us inside on, on game day. Take us inside the coach's box. What are you specifically looking at as you look down on the action? Uh, so we've done it a little bit differently, Smith. This year, we we don't do attack and defence as coaches. Um, having a new coach coming in and having so many changes, Andrew's got the look over both attack and defence and, and you might think well does that create him too much workload I think no uh, it's really important at this stage uh, as I was saying earlier there's so many things that we didn't get covered in pre-season that come up week by week you know Andrew has the overall say and an overarching look over that uh, between myself Justin and Stacey we cover off different parts so uh, I'll have a look at the edges Justin will have a look at the middles and Stacey looks after uh, what we call the transition element of the game, which I guess is, um, you know, kicking and receiving and uh, around last plays. Um, so between us, we, we have eyes for our respected areas uh, and little bits of ownership around parts of our game plan. Um, and we all, as I say, we all feed in, we all feed into the head coach. Uh, but yeah, it's quite a calm coach's box. I think we've all been in coach's box in any sport where it's mental and everybody everybody's carrying on and uh, there's brain explosions and uh, a lot of high intention and anxiety but we're a relatively calm box uh, calm and measured and delivered at this moment in time I'll say I'm sure I'm sure we'll get challenged throughout the year Terrific amount of interest as you can imagine uh, about um, the Warriors uh, we get yep. texts in all the time for instance Sainz come in this morning and said can you please ask Richard why they've gone for Ciro at 15 over Josh Curram seems odd that they left him out because of injury plays a full game in New South Wales Cup then uh, left out this weekend I mean those decision type things that you have to make around selection in that case what, what's happened there? Yeah oh look I think yeah I can answer that one um I think a head coach, if, if things are going all right, is always going to be challenged with decisions, uh, certainly around team selection. If we've got 20,000 fans there at the weekend, you're going to have to understand you're going to get 20,000 different opinions on the makeup of the team as well. Uh, but I think we have to trust our coach in what he's seeing day in, day out, and what he's looking for from the team. Uh, and I think uh, he's let Josh know that there's just a couple of areas that, he'd like Josh to be a bit more consistent in and, and better and, and go away and work on on that and, and he's done that and shown a terrific attitude uh, and going into last week I think there were also a little bit of a I guess a, a versatility factor in, in picking Bailey Sirenen you know he did spend some time on both edges but also at dummy half too uh, because you know we didn't want to take Dylan Walker out of that, that middle role that he's been so effective on um, so versatility certainly came into it, uh, but I think it's good for us if we're getting, you know, we're getting those sort of decisions where you know you've got good players, and maybe not in the team, and um, because of you know because of little bits of form reasons. So uh, you know, it's all always going to be a, 
a matter of a matter of opinion. Um, but I don't think at this moment in time, at this stage of the season, it's you know it's too much to worry about. I think you know everybody's going to get a, a decent crack at it, and you know throughout the year your squad is going to be fully utilised to the whole, especially at the moment with the concussion rules, where, where again we've got a player ruled out this week. Yeah, of course, uh, that player is Wade Egan. So uh, how's yeah. Freddie, uh, Freddie Lissick, uh, looking in training uh, in terms of fulfilling the role? Because Wade's been very good to start the season. Wade's been great. You know, he's a, I think he's a vastly underrated player in the competition. He's been, you know, he's had three pretty outstanding performances too. So that's, you know, that's going to be a significant loss for us. But at the same time, uh, Freddie's coming in. He's just on the back of two man of the match performances in reserve grade. He's had a strong pre-season where he's absolutely led the way from a from a fitness perspective. Uh, so it's a good opportunity for Freddie and, and one that you know we're pretty excited about seeing how he goes. Well, uh, Wayne, I, I could talk to you all morning because uh, one, I love the accent. I love that Yorkshire accent. <laughs> great, 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 great memories. But um, hey, mate, we've run out of time. You've, you've, your answers have been so damn good. I've got a whole page of questions, which means we're going to have to call you again at some stage in the future. Congratulations. Uh, congratulations no on what you've achieved so far. Uh, the feel about the club and the vibe about the the Warriors at the moment is so damn good compared to 12 months ago, I promise you. Um, so well done, and thanks for your time this morning, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's great to hear, guys, to get that feedback, and hopefully we can, you know, we can keep it up. Yeah, good on you, man. Uh, have a good week. Uh, good luck against the Bulldogs. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, cheers. Richie, Richard Agar, their uh, character. Um, I don't know of too many people outside of uh, inside of Yorkshire that aren't characters, really. Uh, he's the kind of dude uh, you would love to have a beer with uh, at some point. Chew a bit of fat about uh, days back in Leeds. The atmosphere, he's talking about it headingly uh, on those West Terraces. They dress up. Um, it's an absolute show um, uh, on Test Match Cricket Days there. And, of course, the Leeds Rhino ground, is, it borders on. Um, it's just there's one stand at one end. And over the back of the stand from Headingley Cricket Ground is the Leeds Rhino home ground. It's just a nice little hub there. Uh, what a cool place. 9.47 here. We'll be back shortly. Parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Rightio, uh, the Eels uh, play the Panthers tonight. I'm going to take uh, the Eels with an 8.5 start um, over the Panthers. Panthers, I think, will win the game, but I, I think the Eels might get relatively close to them. So I'll take the plus 8.5 at $1.85. Uh, Zimbabwe are playing uh, cricket against the Netherlands uh, later today. I think they'll probably beat the Netherlands, although the Netherlands did, of course, uh, knock over South Africa in the World Cup, didn't they? Uh, but I think Zimbabwe will beat them at a buck forty-two. Um, and then football, uh, New Zealand to play China. New Zealand playing China, the All Whites against China, dollar sixty. New Zealand have not scored a goal apparently, a, a goal against uh, for something like eight hundred days or something against a side outside of Oceania. Oceania, re- really haven't scored a goal. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? So uh, I'm predicting they're going to score at least one and hold China to none. So uh, yeah, China. Uh, New Zealand beat China $1.60. Eels, 8.5. Zimbabwe into new, uh, the All Whites at a buck sixty. $3.41. Small fish are sweet.
Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, Richie's come in and said, uh, where do you bet Blundell? Where would you bet Blundell in white ball cricket? Interesting. You could open with him. You could open with him. But uh, I kind of feel you could bat him at five or six. And it adds to the bowling strength. really does. I mean, he's that good a batsman. Um, so they'll tinker with that, but it gives him a really viable option. A very healthy one at that. Uh, look, uh, speaking of healthy, uh, women's rugby. And uh, they've uh, in a pretty healthy state after the World Cup. But their big showpiece for domestic rugby is this weekend. It is in Hamilton. It is 2.05 on Saturday afternoon at FMG Stadium. It is the grand final of uh, Super Rugby Picky Chapter 2. Playing through champions are hosting it. Chiefs Manawa uh, up against Matatu from the South Island. Now Matatu is coached by Blair Baxter. And that's who we're talking to straight after the news here with Araha. are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, and it's uh, 10.02 here on uh, SENZ. Um, and uh, as I say, we're going to focus on uh, Super Rugby or Picky very shortly uh, because it is the grand final uh, between Chiefs and Manawa. Uh, and of course, uh, Matatu from the South Island. Matatu is uh, made up uh, of players based uh, in Otago, in Christchurch, and of course uh, in other parts of the South Island as well, uh, Nelson. So uh, they have to uh, come together as a unit. They use Christchurch uh, as a base, and uh, this year it appears that it's worked uh, very, very successfully. Uh, and their final was uh, yeah, this Saturday. Uh, it is 2.05 at uh, FMG Stadium in Hamilton. They are travelling north to take on the undefeated Chiefs of Manawara. It's a good story, this, actually. Last year was pretty tough for them in the inaugural season, but they have turned it round. And uh, the, one of the people responsible for that, of course, is the head coach, Blair Baxter, who uh, joins the show this morning. Blair, uh, thank you very much for your time. What's been the key uh, to this uh, turnaround by your Matatu this season? Oh, morning. Uh, so, the, yeah. so, what's been the key? Uh, well, we're really enjoying the format. It was a little bit neglected last year with COVID and um, being based in Topol. So, actually having full 80 minutes and proper rugby has been really helpful for us as a team that backs our ability to stay in the game for a long, long time and um, get up cons- consistently or repeat efforts is something we pride ourselves on. So, I think that's been working really well and we've been able to hang in tough with no ball and uh, for majority of the first four rounds so really proud of that effort you've actually been able to uh, start pretty well so you must actually get them uh, running out of the changing rooms in the right frame of mind they've scored the first try in every match this year <laughs> i actually didn't know that was that, that was a stat but uh i think with our girls they, they're really clear on um the plan that we're trying to implement um, right from the get-go, so maybe, maybe as coaches and athletes, we've we've nailed our start, and you're seeing that with tries and the well, top first try scorer. Uh, that's probably the reason. 
Okay, right. Uh, the other thing that you've displayed, though, and you had to show that uh, last week uh, against the Blues women was uh, the ability to come back and hold on. So um, some really nice little traits you're developing. Yeah, we, we, back, our, we back our squad. We've got 28 or 27 fit girls now, and, and they all play a massive part in on-field performance. And we uh, would like to think that all, all eight of our impact players can actually offer. And uh, we've learnt through the first four rounds um, how to utilise them better as coaches and when, when to inject their energy. And I think... Um, we want to give energy rather than take, so they sort of raise the raise the bar and help our girls get through. Well, we've got to raise the bar again this week, of course, because uh, you're up against the side that has yet to lose uh, over the two years of the competition. Uh, Chiefs Manawara, of course, very professional outfit, but having said that, only eight points away from them last uh, time around. What did you learn from that? Mm. Yeah, 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 that's right. We need to give credit where credit's due. The, the been very good in their set piece and 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 then their backs have also got speed and and skill set to finish tries. So you can never underestimate that side. They deserve to go in hot favourites and um, it's going to be a great challenge for us. So it's something that we've been planning for since uh, Opeki finished last year and and um, like to think that um, come Saturday it's going to be an absolute spectacle of a game to watch with two two great sides going at it. Blair, you look at uh, some of the scores uh, throughout the competition. It's not a very long one, but if you look at it, um, of course, there's a lot of high-scoring games. Is that? Um, do you think that's a result of uh, still looking for defensive combinations? Uh I'm here, yeah. Have you not? Do you not hear that oh, question? Yeah. I, 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 I try again. Sorry, Blair. No, I, oh, sorry, Blair. Uh, um, well, we just did a break down there. Uh, high scoring competition. You look across the board, some big numbers. Uh, and I was just wondering whether um, it's not that easy to get defensive combinations set up uh, in such a short space of time because scores will kind of reflect that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I suppose it's where, where you invest your time and. When you only got one day to train before you play, it, um, I suppose majority of teams are focusing on attacking, and that's probably come off the back of the World Cup with um, the Black Ferns' way of playing high pace, exciting rugby. I suspect large portions of time is invested in how we attack and and just rely on grit and culture to um, to defend. Uh, we're probably a little bit different. If you look across the board, we typically have. Um, twice as many tackles as anyone else so uh, that's because we haven't been able to play with the ball much so we, we invest time in that uh, we're not a, we, um, something we pride ourselves on but um, the game is also pretty exciting for the fact that we're scoring lots of points Well there's a, a great uh, sister versus sister battle this week uh, amongst the Bremner, the Bremner ladies, uh, that'll be interesting Yeah yeah two absolute great humans that we're lucky enough to get the, the best one in Atlanta Bremner. Okay. Um, and Chelsea's playing, <laughs> playing fantastic footy out there, you know. Uh, she's, she's doing great work in that line-out and she's really leading that pack in that space. But, um, yeah, I can't wait to see how, how those two go go out of it on Saturday afternoon. 
Well, you've, you've got eight World Cup winners in your squad, which is an amazing amount of experience to come back in after uh, that experience uh, that they enjoyed. Um, the likes of uh, Renee Holmes, of uh, Amy Rule, who has fashioned uh, herself into a really top-class uh, front-row forward. Uh, what have they brought back after that World Cup experience? Yeah, we, we are super grateful to have all that experience, for sure. Uh, there's Having been under a pressure cooker like not many others have experienced, is that calmness, calmness under pressure. Uh, and they have real belief in what they're trying to do and, and um, can really stay focused and grounded. I think that's been something that they've all offered. Uh, their leadership, their decision-making, and just really clear communication if we were, we do get frazzled, and they, they draw us out of it pretty quickly. So you mentioned before just the one day of, of prep for some of these games. What about this week, going into a grand final? What does preparation look for you in this uh, Maratu week? Yeah, so we're just... Thursday's our double training day, and, and we just uh, keep it really simple um, finals week, like... We all know how to play rugby, we can tackle, we can catch, we can kick, we can pass. Um, this week's around how we prepare mentally and ensure that we're all happy, healthy and confident coming out Saturday. So that's sort of the, the mindset we're taking in. What about the, the mindset of being able to knock over um, the, the, the Manawara as such? I mean, you mentioned before they are massive favourites going into that. But that, that in a way gives you a bit of, bit of licence, doesn't it? Oh, for sure. We, we, uh, we're going up to play rugby and, and the brand that we're really proud of, the Matatu way. And, and if we, we're allowed to do that and we do that successfully, then we're going to be really happy uh, in the final whistle. So I think as much as the Chiefs are hot favourites, we've got to be really clear and confident in what we're going to deliver to. So it's, uh, it's going to require, obviously, a, a fairly consistent 80-minute performances. Uh, are you happy that uh, you're able to do that? Has there been a, a tendency every now and then just to, to switch off uh, within the 80? Yeah, well, man, everyone dreams for an 80-minute performance, and I'm not sure if that's realistic. Like, there's so many momentum shifts in our, in the game, and if and if um, we have the ability to win more moments than them, like some real momentum shifting moments, then uh, it's a whole different ball game. So. 80 minutes and uh, there's been some close games in all four of our rounds like it might be more than 80 minutes this week if, if uh, so we've got to prepare for that as well uh, Blair the length of the competition um, you know it's, it's over so quickly there's been speculation that it's going to grow in time um, what do you feel about uh, being at the helm and, and you know it's been condensed to basically five weeks mm. yeah yeah it's, it's almost uh feels like only to the last week we were starting this camp. It, it has gone like a sprint race. Uh, it will over time, and I'd like to think like if there is some adjustments next year, the girls are paid full-time, so it's not just part-time. Or we expand into some double-round home and away, like we could look after the look after the um, franchises as well. Um, the girls want it. Everyone wants it, I think. So it's just a matter of making it happen. Um, there's aspirations eventually of connecting with Super W. Like that would be pretty, pretty amazing. That um, we also understand they were in the infancy and, and some of the good things take time. 
So if um, if you had your way, say you were uh, able to design a competition, how how would it how would it look? Would it stay within New Zealand? Would you like to involve Australia? I think, oh, of course, the answer would be yes at some stage because the more rugby these girls can play at a higher level, the, the better they're going to become on the international stage. So that's that's a great point um, for a start. Also, you've got to be mindful that uh, the product that is on display is actually meaningful and the last thing you want is to dilute the competition and um, and you get score blowouts. So uh, it'll happen. It's just a matter of time, I reckon. A short season means uh, a long off-season from your particular point of view before you can get hands-on again. Uh, what else yeah. are you doing in terms of that? Yeah, that, that, that's that's right. Uh, so Super Rugby and then they have the Farah Palmer Cup window and then there's obviously international window mixed in, in between there. Um, yeah, there's, there's growth in the in the hubs as well, so they do get exposed to better coaching and better strength and conditioning bits and pieces as well. So uh, a lot of athletes are getting a lot of time invested in them, and it would just be great if we could offer that, offer it to more. How are you feeling confidence-wise? Big challenge, but from a coaching perspective, as you look <laughs> at it. Yeah, yeah, I... Um, Every game we play, no matter what, where I'm coaching uh, Super Rugby, Opiki or under-18s, under so I have full faith and our team will, will go out there and, and do their very best and that very best often ends up with a great result. So we're really happy with where we're at and, and we can't wait to, to run out on FMG Stadium and take on the Manawa on Saturday afternoon. Are you happy with the the, the afternoon kickoff, the two o five? Would you have liked a, perhaps an evening game for for any reason? Um, oh, I think I think if we look back at our season to date, we've typically played it in and around that sort of afternoonish time, and probably adapted to the heat now. Cause, uh, so it, it doesn't actually matter. I quite like afternoon games. Well, makes uh, makes for a longer celebration if it turns out all right, doesn't it? That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hey Blair, uh, great to catch up with you. Uh, really do uh, applaud the the fact that you've been able to turn it around uh, so successfully, and uh, what a great story it is that uh, you're going to take on uh, the champions for the title. All the very best. Uh, I hope it goes well for you. And thanks for thanks again for uh, making some time for us. Oh, thank you. Uh, we really appreciate uh, your guys' time. Okay, thank you, uh, Blair Baxter. There, of course. Um, uh, double training day today, Thursday. Uh, hop on a plane tomorrow um, from down south, and and they, they head north, of course, for outside of the World Cup, I guess, um, the game of their lives for some of them. Uh, there are some, a lot of internationals in there who've uh, done the very ultimate, haven't they? They've become world champions. But for a lot of the, uh, the, the, the squad as such, this would be the biggest game of rugby, biggest game of sport, I would imagine, any of them have ever played. Massive, massive occasion. And uh, whilst uh, Chiefs of Manawa have been there, they uh, know how to do that and they're a very experienced and strong side in most areas, uh, they might be vulnerable. They might just be vulnerable if they can get a good start to mutter to and maintain it and not have those uh, concentration lapses and let them back in. You don't know because the pressure of being hot favourites, uh, the, the longer you look at a scoreboard and you're behind, 
Um, it uh, plays funny tricks in the mind, I can promise you that. Uh, it's 10.17 here on SENZ. Um, we have a panel coming up shortly. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, pleased to be joined this morning by uh, Aidan McLaughlin and uh, Ben Strang. And uh, fellas, uh, I'm sorry about this, but we've got to start on a bit of a downer. Uh, Aidan, I'll start with you. Um, and of course, the downer came yesterday on the back of all the great news for Scott Robertson and his fans. Uh, this Zane Robertson saga of being found guilty and punished for the use of EPO. Uh, and more uh, punishment added on, Aidan, because of the length of deception he tried uh, to put over the top of the authorities. Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning to you, Ben. Um, I don't think too many of us saw that story coming yesterday, did we? Um, yeah, a really sad state of affairs and a pretty frustrating one as well. Um, as you say, uh, taking a banned substance is one thing, um, and the, the you know he's got his four years for that. But the lengths that he has gone to to try and cover that up take it to a whole new level. So um, another four years, making it eight years in total, you know, was there even grounds for a lifetime ban? I mean, I'm not quite sure what the rules and regulations say about that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, just a, just a very unseemly saga from start to finish. And, um, yeah, I don't think there'll be too much sympathy for him anywhere to, today, that's for sure. I doubt there was very much sympathy for him in the, within the Kenyan medical system, Ben, because he tried to blame them. Yeah, uh, I mean, cool to see you both, but, I mean, for me, it's probably, you know, good riddance to him. Um, he's been very outspoken against drug cheats as well, which is the ironic thing. So, you know, he's he's come out and said that these people have no place in the sport and all these sorts of things. So one for him to take EPO is, you know, clearly... Uh, you know, against goes against everything he's ever said, and then the way he's tried to to cover it up, provide false medical information, fraudulent information. Yeah, I just I just think good, good riddance, um, and and he basically won't be missed if that's the conduct that we've had from a New Zealand athlete. Yeah, well, it's a blight on it because it's a headline, and people look at headlines around the world. New Zealand athlete uh, banned uh, for all this sort of thing. So it's a blight on us. It's a blight on the uh, Kenyan system. Um, because he's tried to implicate them. Um, <clears throat> and I, I would imagine, though, Ben, effectively it is a life ban for him because athletics, uh, whilst it's a global event, uh, when you get uh, to the upper echelon, it's quite a very small community. Um, he won't be anywhere back uh, close to them in a, either a competing or coaching uh, kind of capacity, would he? No, eight, eight years is basically a death sentence for his career. Uh, at his age, I... Don't have his age off the top of my head, but he's been around for a while, and I, I just think it's simply the end for him. I mean, it, I think the Kenyan side of things is quite interesting because he went over to train with these Kenyans, and you know there was repeatedly these Kenyan athletes being banned for drug offences. Uh, there's clearly problems in their program over there, and he has has been a part of that. So, you know, before saying it didn't come as a surprise, uh, it did come as a surprise. It didn't, it didn't, because as soon as he started uh, training with the Kenyans, you sort of wondered what they were up to over there. Um, not, not, to, not to say we were str immediately thinking he was a drug street, but 
Um, for it to come out and the fact that he has been training in Kenya doesn't really come as a surprise. You kind of think, well, you know, that, that does all weigh up, doesn't it? Well, and, you know, the real, for me, the real downside of this is the timing of this. Uh, I don't think there's ever a good timing for it, Aiden, but it, it just appears to me with all the competitions we've had lately and um, New Zealand athletes been um, in the headlines for the right reasons and the, uh, you know, Olympics not that far away, it just... It's just on a, a really, really bad look. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, there is no, there is no ideal timing for this sort of announcement, um, and it is what it is. But, uh, but you're right. It does kind of. Def- <laughs> it was a bit of a deflating feeling yesterday, wasn't it? In the game today, as we reflect on it, um, just with so much, so much good going on, um, that this has to just take away from it a little bit. And I guess, I guess the thing is now, you know, after today, hopefully we can all just draw a line under it and, uh, and move on and get back to positive things. Right, let's uh, get positive then because uh, the New Zealand Cricket Awards are on our doorstep and um, uh, the Sir Richard Hadley medal will be handed out yet again. But for the first time, there'll be the inaugural Debbie Hockley medal. Now, I've uh, been pushing this for this for a long time because uh, when it comes to the judging of the elite of the elite, um, you've got to look at all forms of the game. And of course, uh, women, because of one reason or another, don't play test cricket, which I still believed to be the uh, hardest form of the game. So it's very hard to, from a judging point of view, to include them um, in the Supreme Award for that reason. Um, I'm not sure what your views are on that, um, Aidan, but um, from uh, a New Zealand Cricket Awards point of view, Richard Hadley medal winner, Debbie Hockley uh, medal winner for you? Yeah, uh, Debbie Hockley, uh, as you say, Smithy, it is good to, to finally have that, uh, that award on board and... Um uh, yeah, I take your point certainly about the the fact that women uh, in New Zealand don't play any Test cricket and haven't for a long time. But I guess um, they can only do what they can do. Uh, I, I'm finding it a little bit tricky, probably because of, because of that lack of Test cricket. To be honest with you, just to kind of pinpoint exactly who I think should win this award. Um, it's been pretty inconsistent twelve months for the White Ferns. Um, you know, some ups at the Commonwealth Games, but certainly some downs at the recent. Uh, World Cup in South Africa. Um, so probably on balance, I'd probably go for someone like Millie Kerr. I think, you know, she's been pretty consistent throughout the whole period. Um, so that, you know, domestically as well, she she started to lead uh, Wellington this season in Sophie Devine's absence. Um, so I think she's had a good a good year. Uh, on on the men's front for Sir Richard Hadley medal, I do find it, there's a few, there's a few candidates. I mean, if you look at Tom Blundell, I think he's had an excellent year. Uh, great performances in England and at home. Daryl Mitchell, the same. You know, three centuries over in England, over 500 runs, and another century recently. And then, of course, we've got, of course, we've got Kane Williamson. Um, a double century in Pakistan, another one recently, uh, you know, against Sri Lanka, um, plus another couple of centuries, I think, against England and Sri Lanka over the last month or so. So, Oh, a betting man, yes, I am. Sometimes I'd probably go for Daryl. Daryl Mitchell, okay, right then, Ben Strang. That uh, gives you an opportunity. Yeah, uh, the the women's award. Uh, I was going through the the numbers last night trying to figure this out. Amelia Kerr in twenty twenties in the past year, second top run scorer for New Zealand, third most wickets, joint third most wickets, two behind top spot. Um, She's been an absolute force in 2020. She's done well over at the IPL as well. Um, hasn't been as good in ODIs, not that they've played as many. Susie Bates kind of the standout there scoring, you know, an average of 69, I think it is, um, more than 400 runs. So 
I would tend towards Amelia Kerr as well. I think she's the most talented overall player in that squad now. Um, you know, there's also um, other players that are probably in the mix, but but I think that um, that she'd be my pick. And then the, the Sir Richard Hadley medal, I, I tend to think the same actually as Aiden. I was, I was doing the same thing. You know, Daryl Mitchell over 900 test runs in the past year. Kane Williamson, 850. Um, you know, I... I, I, I just the impact he's had. I, I, I like the the call of Tom Blundell as well because he's had a phenomenal year. He's he's third top run scorer I think in Test matches. But just the fact that Daryl Mitchell's also done it in in important ODIs. He's he's done it in, in 2020s from time to time. Just all round because Kane Kane Williamson has been pretty dire in the 2020 game and probably held that team back as good as he's been in the other formats. I, I think Daryl mm-hmm. Mitchell as well. I think uh, I think he he edged this for me. Okay, cool. Okay, so uh, that's uh, a Daryl Mitchell Melika double, um, according to Aidan McLaughlin and Ben Strang. So uh, we'll just see uh, if that comes to fruition later. We'll take a short break uh, with Araha and her news, and uh, when we return part two of the panel, we'll look at uh, the All Whites, the All Blacks, and might just go a little bit more specific on Kane Williamson because uh, he's now number two in the World Test Batting Rankings. That's pretty damn good. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Uh, Time to talk uh, a little bit of uh, football, actually, because the All Whites uh, take on China in the first of two international friendlies tonight. Question mark is, where are the goals coming from? Because it's been forever since we've scored a goal against anyone other than an Oceania-based side. So, point one there. We're with uh, Aidan McLaughlin and, uh, uh, of course, Ben Strang this morning. So, uh, Aidan, uh, as much as the trial for some of the players in the side, is this like a final trial for the coaching position as well? Uh, Darren Baisley in charge at the moment, uh, because it's been a long time since we've had an official one. Yeah, I it probably is, to be fair. If, if they're going to go down that route, um, then they just want to see how he, he actually goes in this the current environment and um, I think you know some wins here would do him the world of good and put it on New Zealand football to say why it shouldn't be him you know so so I think he's got a good opportunity here um, who knows what's going on behind closed doors in terms of other names they have in the, in the reckoning but all he can do is coach the team to the best of his ability and get some results so um, so we'll see how Darren gets on in that respect in terms of the goals well yeah it's a it's a well documented fact that um there just aren't any, are there? So, you know, you, Chris Wood um, is obviously the, the main striker for this squad. Um, he's the quality player in there. Um, but with him, you know, with an injury cloud uh, over him, then you look around and go, OK, where do we turn? Who do we turn to? Um, and it's a struggle, really, to, to come up with a, a definitive answer. Max Matter seems to be the one that might come in um, and he might well... Uh, take the reins, but, you know, playing for Sligo Rovers in the League of, of Ireland um, isn't the best form gauge. Um, I appreciate you can't do any more than score sort of five out of the, the last six outings, I think. But, um, yeah, it's a big step up, and uh, Chris Woods has got big shoes, uh, you know, big shoes to fill there. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not overly confident about a, a flurry of goals, to with you, Smithy. Okay, Ben. Um, I, I find every opportunity for the All Whites as a very, very important one. Um, I see it as a, as a, as a, an important one for the coaching setup as well. If I were to find some really good results, goal scoring results here over these two matches, 
Um, I'd be uh, I'd be pretty keen on Darren Basley because um, that's what we need. Yeah, I mean, if he if he earns the opportunity by having a couple of big wins against China, where the where the attack is functioning beautifully, then sure, uh, absolutely. I, I think if the goals do come, uh, from my perspective, it's just as important how they come as much as they you know that they do come because in a lot of ways we moved a long way forward with with Danny Hay. We New Zealand was trying to play good passing football, uh, pressing football. It looked better. We might not have been scoring goals, but it looked a lot better than the teams we've seen in the past. If they go back to just trying to earn set pieces and, and lobbing the ball into the box, hoping Chris Wood can get on the end of it, I'm not sure that's what I really want to watch as much as the results might be better. So I, I think style as much as the substance is probably what I want to see. Right, uh, I'll stay with you, uh, Ben, and give you first crack at uh, what was the major topic yesterday. Um, of course, it was uh, the the Scott Robertson, uh, the fallout from the Scott Robertson um, appointment. 80%, um, I think, of the messages coming into this station were uh, very, very positive. Uh, there is a bit of a feeling now, now that, um, OK, that's fine. We know where we're going from World Cup finale onto the next World Cup at this point, but... There's a bit of the business at hand still to conduct, and it, it's almost been lost in this. And I'm talking about Ian Foster and his World Cup, uh, uh, you know, his, his effort there. Yeah, in some ways I think it takes the pressure off Ian Foster because uh, the decision's been made, everything's out of his hands, uh, he knows he's leaving, so ho- however he goes, uh, there's, there's not going to be too much of a... I mean, I guess questions could be asked about whether they could have brought Scott Robertson in earlier and, and, and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, I mean, all the decisions have been made that could have been made. And I feel like this just is a release. And if anything, the way that he's been treated, the way he wasn't told that Scott Robertson was being appointed and other couple of things that will have angered the, the Foster supporters, I feel like the players might sort of bandy about, around him a bit more. Uh, again, as they did last year when he was under pressure, perhaps that gives them a little extra edge which um, which helps the team heading into the World Cup. Mm, uh, I hopefully does. I hopefully has right now a smooth run into it because it's a terrifically tough pool that we're in. Uh, side of the draw is is pretty hard, Aiden, to get through. I think uh, whoever wins the World Cup out of that side will fully deserve it. Uh, but um, I, I just wonder about his mindset, Ian Foster, through all this. I mean, you know, he's he's been hammered from pillar to post for quite some time now. Yeah, he has. And I think, you know, we're, we're, that was pretty evident when he came out a few weeks ago and initiated some contact with various um, radio stations and TV stations and reporters just to give his side of the story, really. I think for him, enough was enough and he felt like he needed to have a voice and uh, tell people how, how he felt through all this. Because it's been going on for most of his tenure, let's be honest. Uh, obviously the first year was very COVID affected um, and then results have not been good in recent times and there was the the, uh, the the middle of last year when it seemed he would be departing and Scott Robertson would be taking over in a way, only for that South African result which seemed to save Foster's tenure. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, he has been bashed around um, uh, and no matter how much or how many of us think that Scott Robertson is the right choice going forward and possibly should be, have been there earlier, um, you know, from, from a from a personal point of view, it, it is tough to see someone go through that. And um, I think the best thing he can do now, and I think he will do it, is just get on with things 
as will the rest of his support staff and the players, and they'll just put all their focus into the World Cup because um, let's you know let's not forget that a lot of the players will be moving on as, lot, as well as a lot of the staff. So really, this is the last crack at a, at a World Cup for a lot of people in this All Blacks environment. Mm. It's also uh, interesting, Ben, that if you look at the rumoured, and I, I he, uh, hasten to add here, rumoured uh, assistants that um, uh, he may well be lining up, including um, uh, the likes um, of um, of Leon McDonald, um, of Jason Holland, uh, we're looking at um, quite a big change in Super Rugby at the helm too, possibly. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's going to definitely shake things up uh, across the board. And that comes as much from his philosophy when he takes over the role. He said he plans to bring fresh ideas, a new culture. Uh, so, so, I mean, these things are quite exciting after, God, how long has it been since, uh, what is it, uh, 8, 16, 20 years of, with these three coaches who are very much alike in their thinking. That's going to be a big shake-up. But, yeah, if he takes guys from these super rugby teams I mean, it's the best thing for the All Blacks. These are these are the new age of coaches. They do have fresh ideas, so that's a very good thing for the All Blacks. Also, uh, I think that's a good thing for New Zealand coaches to see that there is a pathway in Super Rugby. I think that's one of the most important things about the appointment is that they've said, if you do succeed in Super Rugby, you are a chance of, of getting this All Blacks role. It doesn't just go to you know, an assistant to the previous guy or, or whatever it may be, which is very good. So I see it as exciting, and that's the way that you rejuvenate and, and, and you know, improve the ability of coaches around the country is having that pathway. When there's no pathway, uh, you don't get what you, you possibly could and people head overseas. So I think it's going to be really good for New Zealand rugby. I do too. Um, you know, I, I look forward to... Uh, the new era of Super Rugby. Uh, incidentally, there's um, a, star, a story on stuff there whether they might conf- just consider shifting the window of Super Rugby to another time of the year just by point of change as well, which would be uh, given the opportunity to play internationals at a different time of the year, which might uh, be quite interesting as well. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, by the by, uh, Aidan McLaughlin, uh, Ben String, uh, we're our panellists this morning. Uh, thanks very much uh, for your time. We'll get that cup of coffee or that beer very shortly, Aidan, I promise you. It is uh, 10.43 coming up here on SENZ. It's in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. And uh, Louis Herman Watt uh, joins us, uh, as uh, he always does at this time, to just focus on um, what's uh, going on in the thoroughbred racing industry, and domestically quite quiet today, Louis, not uh, too much to talk about there, but uh, leading into a, uh, an interesting weekend. Yeah, very interesting weekend, um, and you know that we love to cast an eye to across the ditch. Um, but back here, the Japan Trophy goes on at Tauranga and the Valachi down... Is it still called that, actually? The Breeders' Stakes here in Christchurch. Um, just to kid, I don't know, don't know what it's called these days. Um, but the Phillies and Mears and, and at Rickard in there. Um, but it all kind of is all focused towards Mooney Valley tomorrow night. Babylon Berlin, Imperatriz, Rock and Horse and the William Reed Group 1. And then on Saturday, 
Now, Campia Nessa, she's been placed as second emergency for the Australian Cup, which is, quite frankly, very, very disappointing. And, uh, I mean, I don't want to wish any other connections that they have to scratch their horses or anything happens, obviously, but she should be in this field. She's better than some of these, and she's definitely in better form than some of these. So that's disappointing to see, but nothing really too new for these. You notice the Australians trying to game against us? Yeah, it is, uh, it's always been a trend uh, over the years, hasn't it? Particularly when it's come to the room, um, the judiciary, and they tend to punish um, us uh, a little bit more, particularly uh, if you look at the, the likes of uh, Jimmy McDonald uh, a, a couple of years back. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting um, here at home as well. Um, what, do you, what do you make of um, uh, the record? And will you, will you be going for a start? Will you be there now that's home base? Well, I'll be in the studio doing the good oil, but I'll be. We've got. I tell you what, we do have because it's Rickerton and it is home base. I um, I've been accused of being biased for many things in life, and now I'm going to have to be biased towards South Island racing. Um, so Greg O'Connor, the great man, Geo, the GOC, is coming into studio for the good oil. Uh, Sticko is getting another week in the, the paddock. I'm a bit worried about what sort of condition he's going to be in when we get him back in training. We might have to get him on the water worker and really um, do some pre-training with him. So Greg O'Connor played on me on Saturday and uh, I'm really looking forward to finding the winner. I actually, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to tip you on right now. Here's my best of the weekend. It's the Valachi Down South Island Thoroughbred Breeders Stakes, race nine. It is still called that. And live drama is better than this field. I just need a good track. And it's heavy at the moment, but the sun is out. There's no rain forecast for today or tomorrow. Even if it can get back to a soft, I still think live drama is better than this field, race nine. So I think Lance Robinson's got the winner of the uh, Group 3 Breeders' Stakes. How about race four, number one, at around $1.35 now? What, what, what absolute feast. Can we... Uh, what? I mean... It's a two-year-old even at second start, and you can't give us anything more than a dollar forty. I mean, like, where's the sport in that pool, BP? You know, we're just we're just honest, we're just honest punters, Smithy. We just want to have a bet. Just give no, us no. something. <laughs> no, just strugglers, uh, strugglers from Struggle Street, the old battler, the old good old Kiwi battler, just trying to get one. Uh, oh yeah, God! After yeah. all this time. After all this time, dollar thirty-five now they tell me, Louis. So we missed the dollar forty into our multis. So never mind, mate. Um, at least you live in the home of the new All Black coach, which is really cool. Thanks, mate. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Have a terrific uh, Thursday afternoon, as you do your homework like you always do. Uh, we shall uh, take a, a quick break. When we come back, um, we'll talk uh, to the TAB. What's on offer today, sports betting wise? Bring your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, there is harness racing today at Cambridge, uh, uh, that's your thing. Uh, also Greyhounds and uh, Monaco uh, and Addington as well. But on the sports betting front, uh, there's some interesting options coming up too because uh, All White's on show tonight. Of course, uh, the latest round of the NRL starts as well. Is this very enthralling? 
uh, ACC match play uh, has just got underway today, which brings up a lot of combinations and keeps the TAB very, very busy. And the busiest of all who ever worked there was Paul Moati. So, Paul, uh, tell us uh, a wee bit about those options. Yes, really, that's right. The WGC match play where we've already seen Ryan Fox uh, win his first uh, round match. He's in Group 7 along with Will Zalatoris, Andrew Putnam. But today he took on Harris English and he beat Harris English 2-1. and one. I think it was around $2 to win that match against Harris English uh, just before they uh, teed off today. And in the outright market for that WGC World Match Play uh, event, he is now into... He's $51, Ryan Fox, uh, to win that. Obviously, still got to get out of the group. Um, There's a long way to go, but uh, very, very promising signs by Ryan Fox with his win today. You mentioned the All Whites in Canada. Uh, we've got a bonus back promotion on that uh, All Whites... Uh, all Whites Canada, All Whites China. Um, big game tonight, so check out all the T's and C's for that. The All Whites currently at $1.73 in the head-to-head market. The Chinese, $5.20. The draw's at $3.30. We've got a couple of boosted markets on that match as well. China to lead at half and full-time, boosted out to $10. Or if you're an All Whites fan, Chris Wood to score first and the All Whites to win. That's been boosted out to $5.25. And, of course, you said NRL, the big match tonight. Out west, the Eels taking on the Panthers. Eels, 3.25 outsiders, still looking for their first one of the season. The Panthers, $1.33. It's a small sample size, but every team that's come off the bye has won the next week. Panthers are coming off the bye. Uh, Look out for them. They have been very, very well supported by punters there, Smitty. Cheers, uh, Paulie Mawadi there with all that information and some great odds available. Uh, And keep an eye on the Ryan Fox ones uh, over the weekend as well. The further he goes the less he'll pay. It's as simple as that. At uh, 10.59 here, uh, coming up to uh, 11 o'clock, we're going to focus on the sales NBL after the break. Uh, Logan Swinkles will bri- probably drive that ship, I think I think it's fair to say. Uh, here's the news. To Atara in what was a thrilling grand final. Now, if you canvassed the Kiwi basketball fans on the, the look of uh, this season's makeup of uh, certain squads, uh, I think you'd find they say this year's edition of the Tuatara is looking... Pretty damn stacked. Uh, that's the impression we're getting anyway from social media. Uh, joining us now on SEN in the mornings, SENZ in the mornings, is uh, the head coach, Aaron Young. And uh, Aaron, uh, there'll be two of us having a crack at you, so uh, we're going to attack from the start. Myself and Logan Swinkles, uh, our producer. I'm going to start by saying they, the, the Tuatara look to be going into the season as the favourites. Uh, how do you feel about that tag? <laughs> hey, hey, morning, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, yeah, no. It's something that I don't really get caught up in. I think for us, you know, we, we've done a really good job in the off-season of putting together a roster that we've got a lot of confidence in and I have really good relationships with these players. So, you know, with that experience comes, I think, a chemistry that we can really hang our hats on. Um, but the work obviously starts as soon as everyone comes in and, and nothing's guaranteed. So we've got to obviously do things the right way and I think with the group that we have, we've got potential to do that. Uh, Aaron, last year, as Smithy mentioned, the Tuatara came so close to winning it all. What's the mantra for you this time around? Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, that we'll probably talk about. You know, my first year uh, head coaching, we lost in the semifinal. Last year, we, we, we lost in the final. And, you know, we, our big focus was, for us was to go one, one better. 
um, and um, we understand that the, the journey to get there is, is a long journey. It's it's always you know when, when you lose in a in the championship final, it's a bit of a, a hangover that you know you come so close and, and you don't get it done. There's a lot of work that needs to be done to get back to that point. Um, our road to the final last year was as, about as crazy as it gets. Um, so we just have to be prepared for that challenge. And I think with the group that we have, players coming off, you know, some seasons, you know, Cam and Rob, I know that they're, they're going to be pretty motivated losing in the final with the breakers. So it's really just kind of grappling, you know, grappling all that energy and, and that motivation and putting it in the right direction. You yourself, you work pretty closely there uh, in Auckland basketball with high school as well. In the Tuatata, who do you have alongside you in the coaching group? Yeah, so um, Sonny and Josiah um, have been involved with me since I first started. Um, great coaches, great community coaches. Uh, Sonny's with Rosmany. He's been there with Matt Lacey for, I think, probably eight or nine years at least. Uh, and Josiah's at Dilworth College, and he's done a great job with that program over the last three years. So, um it's really important for us to, to have people that are connected in the high school space so that we can you know, provide that platform and that, I guess that, that pathway for, for these, these talented kids in Auckland to, to feel like they can have that next step after they finish or even you know, in, in, in some certain cases while they're still at school. And we, we want to provide that opportunity for some guys. We've got a couple of guys that are in high school this year that are going to be in our group. And if they can play, they're going to play. Doesn't I'm not, I'm not a... You know, a big believer in because you're, if you if you're not old enough, you can't play. Like mm. I showed that last last couple of years with Dante. I want to give those opportunities to those people that are ready to go. So, do you get out there and you know run clinics, uh, you know, amongst the high schools? Because I mean, you're all there based in the North Shore, which is you know quite a hub for basketball. Uh, are you out there trying to develop that young talent with the uh, guys of getting them through into the NBL? Yeah, I think a lot of it is about just having a good scope of, you know, the, the talent at each year level, um, starting from probably year 11 right up to year 13, and even the ones that are younger, just getting eyes on them. Um, because I still coach my St. Kennegan college team, I can, you know, I'm, I'm very in, in touch with the, the, the Auckland competition at the premier level. So, you know, I see a lot of different talented kids around there. Uh, so we just, we feel like between Sonny, Josiah and myself, we just know, who's out there and who's willing, you know, who's prepared to come in. It, the preseason is a great time for us to include some of those younger guys. And that's what we've done in the last three years is really set up a good foundation of young players. So when they do come in um, and, and they're involved early, we can kind of see, you know, who's ready, who maybe needs another year or, you know, maybe even more than that. So it's a good position to be in. With you being based in Auckland uh, for as long as you have now, and you kind of have your finger on the pulse there, uh, you know, working with St. Kennegan, um, how have you seen the development of the basketball IQ from our young Kiwi ballers from then when you came here to now? Yeah, I mean, it's something that I think if you compare, you know, to even like over in the States and, and some other places in the world, and I think we do a good job of, facilitating a competition that's very similar to FIBA competition or international competition. Um, we play four quarters, 10-minute games, everything is FIBA rules. And I think that really helps with the IQ side of things. Um, I know players that have gone over to the States and struggled at the high school level, even the college level, because it's such a different game. 
and you're playing with players that don't have that same IQ, but maybe more talented and more skilled, more athletic, but not necessarily as sharp mentally in terms of how the game should be played at different scenarios throughout the course of, you know, four quarters. So um, it's something that we have to take advantage of as a, as a nation, as a program, as, as a high school. And I think, you know, we've got the coaches that can really teach the importance of that kind of stuff across the whole country and even more specifically in Auckland. Nice. Uh, looking to your season now with the Tuatara, you travelled to Nelson first to take on uh, those giant, those giants. From the outside looking in, you know we just see the teams kind of drip feed uh, player announcements. You had another one this morning there with Will Ledger. Uh, we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. But are you able to get together regularly and train and sort of get that chemistry going? Yeah, I think you know. It, w- with the, with the rosters that we've had um, in the past and even this year, it's we, especially at this time of the year, we're dealing with a semi-professional team. You know, there's, everyone that's involved has other commitments. There's no one um, within our roster at this current stage that are full-time basketball players. I mean, there's a couple of it that are, you know, aren't, aren't doing university and are preparing to go to the States, which is Charlie and Tom Beattie. Um, those, those boys have a very sharp focus on you know what their basketball journey looks like right now but outside of those two everyone else has some kind of uni commitment school commitment work commitment so it's really trying to find a balance and 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 enough training so that we can obviously get better as individuals and develop but also not burn out because it is a long season and we're going to make sure that everyone's fresh when we do come into practice so we train you know three or four times a week but it's, a lot of it's based on our schedule as individuals and as a group. Uh, just looking at some of the signings here, uh, Aaron, the big one yesterday that came through, bringing on Jared Weeks. Uh, he brings a lot of experience there to your backcourt. Uh, he last played uh, in the South NBL back in 2019 for Southland. What attracted you to get Agent 97 uh, and his signature on board? He's uh, he's always been someone that you know I've wanted to, to somehow bring into the group that I'm coaching, I was involved with him. I think it was 2019 when he was with the Breakers, and I was mm. in 2018 when I was involved as a video analysis with, with the Breakers. We had a good relationship back then. Um, I've always followed his career closely. Um, he's, he's just someone that he's a real he's a real student of the game, and I love coaching players like that. And I think we have multiple people like that in our group this year. Um, you know, I'm sure I, I know I can provide a learning aspect to his development but I know that he can do the same for me and I know I'm going to learn a lot off these guys and Weeksy just falls within that that obviously that pool of experienced and talented players that just know the game at a high level and think the game at a high level so I'm excited to see what that looks like and how everyone can kind of learn and grow as a, as a group um, but yeah Weeksy does that at, you know, at a very high level we're speaking with Aaron Young, the head coach of the Auckland Tuatara, head of the South NBL season, just two weeks away. What does that recruitment process look like for you when you're seeking imports? <laughs> it's a grind. Um, it's it's something that you, you really try, you got to try and get right. Um, it's something that I've put a lot of energy into as soon as the, you know, the season finishes and when that obviously that opportunity presents itself to communicate to people and make contact offers. There's a lot of work that goes into that because you're trying to piece everything together. You have a certain amount of money. Um, 
it's a huge focus for us um, as a group. And I think if we can get that part right, then everything else kind of falls into place. And I feel like we've done a good job of that this offseason. You've got Weeksy, you've got Cam Glidden, uh, two great Aussie players there to come in as imports for you. Were you looking for that third? Yeah, I mean, at this stage, we're probably not looking for a third. I think we've got enough experience and, and talent. Um, we've got Ruben Tarangi coming in. We've got Rob. Um, we feel like we've got a good core enough group. I know we don't necessarily have an American import, but that's, you know, that's not really a huge focus for us. We want guys that you know, can play well together and that have that experience. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is pretty much our roster that we've got. I'm very confident with the roster that we have. Um, and I know that we're going to be able to, you know, form a team that, that, that obviously hopefully outsmart some teams and, and play, you know, a good style of basketball that, that's pretty simple but also very complex in, in, in certain ways. You mentioned uh, Ruben Tarangi there. I spoke with him recently, not long after you announced uh, his signing. He mentioned that you guys go uh, way back. Do you see him taking on a leadership role here with the team? Absolutely. You know, that's, that was a huge focus even before we signed him. And when we talked about the potential of him coming in is, you know, I want him to, to come home and, and really take on that, you know, that captaincy role, if, you know, if that's, if that's what it looks like. Um, but more so just, just in terms of helping some of the younger guys. Uh, he's one of those people that is willing to take on that role and he's excited about it. I've spoken to him multiple times. Um, he's, he obviously mentioned things, you know, how can I already before he gets there, how can I help the group that we have? Because they've been putting in a lot of work. So he's he's already invested in that side of things, which is which is pretty pretty cool from you know one of your top guys. Aaron, there's a really cool signing. Um, looking at Kiwi rookie uh, Connor Flanagan, uh, who's just finished his time with the University of uh, West Florida and the NCAA. Um, this is the beginning of his pro career, uh, and I, I just think it demonstrates a, a wonderful pathway you bringing him in um, for uh, our young basketball players, and there are many of them. Uh, over there at the moment, trying to break it up, to try and break through. Yeah, no, and Connor's a great example of that. You know, he's someone that, you know, we 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 try and do a great job of just, you know, keeping our finger on the pulse with a lot of these players that have gone over, and it's not necess- not necessarily all the players at the top high Division One programs. Um, and Connor's an example of that. You know, he wasn't at a powerhouse NCAA you know program. He was you know at a Division Two, and he had a good career over there. Um, and he's someone that's hungry to come back and, and, like you said, start his professional career. So, I think we do a good job of that, of making sure that we, especially the Auckland players that have gone over to the states, want to facilitate the opportunity for them when they come home, where they can continue to develop, um, and obviously, you know, just help contribute to a really cool group. Another name there that has just gone on and done that, and you've brought them back uh, after their time in uh, NCAA, is Thomas White. What can you, what can you tell us about him? Thomas is just a very solid, good, you know, good decision maker, a very um, experienced guard for someone that's so young. He, he understands the game. He reads the game very at a very high level. Um, he's dealt with some injuries in, in, over the last three or four years. But he's healthy now, and, and we're just looking for him to have a good, you know, just to, I think he's, you know, kind of lost the spark and the love of, for the game, for, considering how, many, how much adversity he's been through. But like I said, he's healthy now, and he's ready for that opportunity to, to take a next step in his playing career. And he's been really good for us in terms of just 
what he can contribute on and off the court, and we're excited to give him that opportunity as well. I mentioned it earlier that uh, today it was announced that you've signed 19-year-old Will Ledger. Have you unearthed yet another incredible talent here that under that Ledger-Walker legacy? Yeah, yeah. Um, not sure if the, the Ledger-Walker um, has any um, connection, but obviously younger brother to Josh Ledger, who's um, signed with the, the, the Jets this year. Mm. And we're just really excited about Will's... Um, potential. Um, he's someone that I competed against last year when he was at Mags. He's got a really good foundation and um, really good skill set for his size. And the development that he's shown in the preseason for us has been nothing but, nothing short of amazing. Um, I'm really excited. We've got a couple of preseason games coming up against the Bulls this weekend and next week. Um, and he's going to be a big role within that group. And I'm just excited to see him just continue to improve. Um, and when, when the rest of the group comes in and we've got guys like Rob that can help him out, I'm just really excited to see. He's someone that we see long-term being with us until he goes on and does bigger, bigger and better things. Speaking of uh, the Bulls, are you sad to see Dan Fotu leave and go down the road to Franklin? <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that, was, you know, that was a tough one. But, you know, I've got a great relationship with Dan and um, I'm excited to see you know, his success this year, I know he's going to have a, a breakout year. Um, coming off a, a a season with the Breakers, coming off an injury with us, um, I just want to see him have good success and, and take a step forward in his in his journey as well. Uh, and last one from me, uh, Aaron. The other teams, when they they look at you, they might consider you the the Tuatata, the biggest threat, given the depth in your squad. But when you look at the rest of the league, what are you seeing? Oh, it's, it's, it's very exciting. Um, you know, as a competitor, you, you, you're seeing a lot of these players' signings. Um, you're seeing the coaches that are involved in the league again. Um, it's, it's, I can't wait. I really, I'm really excited to just you know, have that, that weekly challenge of preparing for good quality opposition. That was something that was, definitely took place last year, and I think it's going to go up another level this year. Um, just it's, for, just, it's, it's what you want as a competitor. You want you know every game to be challenged, prepared, and I think that's where you you grow the most as a coach as a player. So um, love what the league is doing. Love what you know the coaches and, and the and the GMs are doing this year. Um, it, it means that everyone's you know has a, has a shot at finishing the top four or making it to the final. And that was a great example last year with Nelson and, and Taranaki taking a huge step forward with their franchises. You know, finishing top two at the end of the regular season, so um, it's it's healthy competition. I love that the league is stayed with the top six for the playoffs. It makes it competitive right until the end, and you know we want to be a part of that. Obviously, that final discussion um, when the when the season finished. Just finally, Aaron. Of course, uh, we mentioned you've got the Giants uh, in a fortnight with all the coming and going of players throughout your squad. Of course, every. Um, Every squad has that experience as well. What do you know about the Giants in this first up first up matchup at this point? I, I know that Fitz has done a great job of developing his developing his local talent. Um, not sure exactly what he's done with his imports, but I know that you know based on his track record and his relationships, he's going to get some really good players in. So you can just I, I know I can we can expect a really tough, hard fought game. It's going to be a, it's probably a low scoring game, uh, defensive focused you know, defensive-minded team. And like I said, the local talent that he's developed and the work that they put in in the offseason, 
um, it's it's gonna you know it's it's gonna be tough. They're, they're gonna be a tough group. They're gonna be they're gonna fight and grind every single possession. And so we just got to be ready for that. And if we're not, then you know there's a good chance we could start 0-1. But I feel like we've got the guys that are going to come in and, and approach the game the right way, and it'll be a good battle. Terrific talking to you. Um, both of us have, have enjoyed it and uh, getting more in-depth into uh, the squad for this year. Looking forward to, uh, perhaps to you going uh, one better. It would be great uh, from our point of view if you could have another crack at the Nuggets in the grand final. Uh, SENZ would be pretty happy with that. Aaron, so, hey, all the very best with the uh, last preparations and, and good luck for the season, eh? Yeah, thanks, guys, and I appreciate the coverage on the league. It, it means a lot, and um, all the best with, with everything you guys do as well. Cool. Thank you. Aaron Young there, head coach uh, from uh, the Auckland Tuatara, assembling uh, what a lot believe to be uh, a squad uh, which is probably the favourites uh, heading in. Uh, Logan, is that the way you see it? Yeah, I just, I mean, I, yeah, I've said it before. Like, I look at that Tuatara roster and I just think, my God, they they won it this year. They obviously uh, hurting a little bit after going down to the Otago Nuggets in the final last year. Uh, they definitely mean business. Okay, cool. Right, so it's talking of business, uh, you've got more to perform because we'll be going to the sports decks uh, very shortly. We'll take a quick break and we've got Stump Smithy coming up as well. So you're going to be very busy, uh, uh, very busy boy, Logan Swinkles, in the next 10 minutes or so. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Yeah, time to get across to that sports desk. Uh, We're sitting as uh, Logan Swinkles. Uh, What's up this morning? I have a very cool story for you today, Smithy. Uh, Palmerston North Boys High School, are they known for their cricket? Absolutely. Um, David O'Sullivan. Uh, Brian Newell, uh, Matthew Sinclair, Jacob Oram, Ross Taylor. Yes. <laughs> okay, you could go yes. on. I, I yep. Uh, well, Jamie Howe. Jamie Howe. Yes. <laughs> they uh, they might have unearthed another one. Uh, th- this comes from the team yesterday. We're in the Super Eight cricket competition that was being played in Tauranga at uh, Tauranga Boys College on the cricket on the concrete block I used to play on. Matt Rowe took nine for 12 versus Rotorua Boys High School, including six wickets and a single over. Here's how that sounded. Unreal. I suppose you're allowed to be drinking at school games. What's going on there? Yeah, well, uh, you know, might have. Um, oh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm many years removed. There was definitely a few uh, hidden um, goon sacks around. I'll tell you that. <laughs> six, six from six. That's a double hat trick, folks. That is like that is hen's teeth. You, you, you just don't find them. It's in wide mouth frogs. I mean, you just don't see too many of those either. It is just the most amazing thing. The most amazing thing, um, to be perfectly honest. Ah. Uh, Wow, name Roe. Roe's actually Roe is actually a uh, Manawatu cricket name. Is Hannah Roe comes out of Manawatu? Uh, yes, right. I'm not quite sure if there's rela- uh, there's uh, any sort of relationship there, in terms of siblings maybe or uh, cousins. But 
Um, uh, row going way back has been quite a famous uh, Gordon Row, I think, came out of uh, Palmerston North way, way back. Uh, years, decades gone by. But yeah, um, Palmerston North, a uh, wonderful tradition of cricket. Um, and uh, yes, nine for 12. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Matt Rowe spoke with uh, News Hub's Andrew Gordy last night. To be honest, I think my teammates were more fizz than I was because um, the game actually got shifted from an, from a grass wicket to an arty. And anyway, it was like really slippery and I, it's sort of it's hard to charge in and, and you know, bowl, bowl quick on an arty. So I sort of just toned it back a bit and all of them seemed, seemed way more fizz than I was, eh? But yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. The artificial was pretty dusty, but makes it it makes it a bit more of a village game. But it's all good. Doesn't say that on the scorecard. <laughs> There's nothing village to me about nine for twelve, Smithy. <laughs> First, Artie got the uh, village, bit of village. Oh, I think that's an outstanding performance. That'll be honest board stuff. Um, and highlighted big time and um, I think David Bovey is uh, the rector down there at Palmerston North Boys High big, big cricket man take a, a lot of enjoyment out of that actually two more names have just come in uh, Victor Pollard, Bevan Congdon I'm told uh, out of Palmerston North Boys High as well so yeah, going back yes, I think it's fair to say a nice tradition, Logan, a nice tradition Yeah, well, Carrie from the Manawa 2 is coming in and said they are cousins good to know that um, also on the sports desk, Smithy, just a re- reply to uh, Sean's hit us up on the temper bedpost text machine. He asked me this question the other day when I was on with Staffy. Uh, but the answer that you're looking for, when do the Aussie NBL teams get confirmed for next season and do I think the breakers will be much the same as this season? Well, NBL free agency opens uh, 9am Sydney time, March 30th. All team player and mutual options need to be confirmed by March 27, 12 p.m. Sydney time. Beyond that, uh, and a, a list of free agents will be published on March 28th and so much from so March 30th. It's all on. Uh, three imports, 11 contracted players, and then, of course, the NBL next stars don't count towards those 11 contracted players. Um, in terms of the breakers... I would like to see it very much the same. I know they've gone on and the record to say they are chasing Will McDowell-White. They want to renew him. Who knows how much money he's going to be asking for, though, Smithy, considering the performances he had uh, this year. And also, of course, uh, Jarrell Brantley, who's uh, gone on a temporary contract, temporary contract uh, back to the Utah Jazz. Mm. If that works, obviously not him. So... They might be looking for someone else in their roster too in that regard. Yeah, it's not often that you do get a repeat of uh, imports. I am, I'm a little sad to see that Chris Johnson isn't coming back for the Auckland Tour Tata because that combo between him and Rob Lowe was something spectacular to watch during that final series. But uh, I think even if you get one import coming back, I mean, that's a good sign. Okay, we better get to the news. It's uh, 11.33. Thanks for those stories. Uh, Logan, you've got to go put your other hat on now. It's Quizmaster because it's time to dial 0800-150-811. 0800-150-811. Yeah, it's Stump Smithy time uh, up for uh, a fitty this morning. And uh, Brian's waiting for your calls. Here's uh, Araha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, pad up, grab your bat. It's time to play Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. We're playing for a $50 TAB bonus bet. I was off yesterday. Smithy, how did you go with Ricardo? Lost. 
<clears throat> Simple as that. Lost. Couldn't uh, couldn't get the job done. Uh, embarrassing yet again. In fact, I've just uh, on that knowledge there. I've just been uh, told out uh, and told off to uh, because I, I said it was a double hat trick. It's not a double hat trick. Apparently, a double hat trick is four and four. It's a quad hat trick. Wow. A quad hat trick. There you go. So don't associate the word six and six with quad. But there you go. It's a it's a quad hat trick. And uh, I'm not sure Bevan Congdon uh, actually went to Palmerston North Boys High, but certainly Victor Pollard did. Uh, thanks, Sos, for that. I'll check up uh, on Bevan uh, in a little while. Right, let's get started. Who Who's uh, in for it today? Well, you learn something new every day, Smithy, on this show. I know I do. Mark from Christchurch is first at the crease. Come in, mate. Morning, gentlemen. Uh, well, that's uh, drawing a long bow uh, for both of us, but uh, we'll say uh, good morning to you too as well, Mark. Uh, hey, mate, uh, uh, apart from uh, apart from Razor, what else is hot down in Christchurch at the moment? The weather. It's a beautiful day. There's no cricket down there, is there? <laughs> Don't know, mate. Don't know. I wish I could say the same for Auckland. Uh, all right. The categories for you to choose from today, Mark, are golf... Football and rugby, take your pick. Go golf. All right, good luck. Love a sticky bottom bar. All right, first question for you, Mark. Where did Ryan Fox finish at this year's Players' Championship? Was it um, 26? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, now I know this is a tournament that Smithy watched very closely. Yeah. Smithy, I did. Is it tied for twenty seventh? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Sure was. Great showing there from Foxy, and another great showing today in the match play. I'm a big fan of match play, Smithy. Yeah, I like it. I like that form. There's a variety. Um, I really do, uh, and I think the players do as well. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. I love, that's why I love the Ryder Cup. I absolutely love the Ryder Cup and the attitude it brings. Uh, in terms of match play, that's uh, the end of Mark for the day. So <laughs> who's next? Uh, next to the crease, we're going to Palmerston North. Uh, how apt, considering how much love we've been giving Manor to cricket in the last ten minutes. Barry, come in, mate. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, Barry, what's up down there? Hey, All right, you got. Yeah, the boys, did you go to did you go to boys high, Barry? Nah, mate. Nah, I'm a fry bird man. Oh, fry, 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 fry. Yeah. Oh, man. yeah. Hey, hey, but um, I, 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 I watched the one day all morning, the yep. Indian Aussie. Um, yep. and yeah, it was a good game to watch, and and I've just finished watching the golf. Uh, so yeah, no, I, 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 I'm loving it, and um. Tough. Ryan didn't get a lot of TV time, but uh, he, he, um, he the time he got was very good. He he, uh, he played really well, by all accounts. Uh, so, I hope yeah. he does really well on the PGA Tour because that means we're going to see a lot more oh, of him mm. uh, at a, a much more yeah. a, a well, much it, more appealing it, time of the day as well. Okay, it, uh, Barry. Yeah. Yep. Go on. No, no. I was just going to say, even now he's done. You know what? Twenty. 
Yeah. Good. It, it's, it's okay. Good to hear. Good to see. Yeah, that's good to hear. Good to watch, Barry. So let's uh, let's have have a crack here with question number two. Golf, the subject. Good luck uh, for you. Yeah. Cheers, bro. All right. Second question here for you, Barry. The fifty dollars TAB bonus bet is up for grabs. Who was the first player to beat Tiger Woods twice in a professional match play competition? Whoa. Um. Oh. Yes, I know this. Just come back to me. No pressure, Barry. No pressure. <laughs> oh, you gone quiet, Barry? Yeah, no, I'm just fast on this. All right. Um, do, do, do you mean Ryder Cup, uh, the, the match play which is on at the moment? Like, any, any of them? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm just saying match play, mate. <laughs> It is, yeah, it's not the right. It's not Ryder Cup. Yeah, you're right. It's not Ryder Cup because uh, uh, this uh, player concerned uh, is not from uh, the countries uh, associated with the Ryder Cup. Put it that way. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Let's go. Jeez, uh, it's a stab in the dark. Um, let's go. Oh. Blank. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm noticing some stalling tactics here. I think I'm just going to hit the red button. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, I know you know the answer. Friend, of the, show, friend of the show, actually. Uh, been interviewed uh, two or three times and uh, reminded of that as well every time we speak to him. Nick O'Hearn. Nick O'Hearn has that. Just a couple uh, of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yes, Nick O'Hearn. Who has another podcast now actually called uh, Turk Talk Birdie to Me, but I'm looking forward to uh, him coming back on ECN. I know he's uh, not far yeah. away. Smithy, ooh, you're two for two. Richie from Upper Hutt had a bad experience that made Stone Park in Upper Hutt. I'm not confident about this. So, uh, Richie from Upper Hutt, good morning to you, mate. Good morning. I think you're just about to get a hat trick, though, Smithy. <laughs> this would be nice This would be nice, Richie Okay, uh, Logan, what do we got? Alright, last question Richie, $50 TAB bonus bet Up for grabs here Live Golf is set to make an appearance in Australia Next month What city will be hosting this saudi back tournament? Oh, Adelaide Say oh. that again Adelaide just a couple of chips down the wicket, oh. right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, you got it, but you didn't sound confident. <laughs> oh, probably the only one I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know that at last. Oh, done again at Maidstone Park by Richie this time. Oh, yeah, Richie, congratulations. I bet of this. It wasn't back then. It was wet and bouncy, and we got done. In fact, we were at, at 3 o'clock on the second day's play. We're playing in... Um, Upper Hutt, this is Central District, since Wellington. At eleven, at 3 o'clock on the second day, the scheduled second day, we were having a beer in Palmerston North. That's how quickly the game was over. So uh, <laughs> not one to remember that fondly. Hey, Richie, but uh, you can remember today fondly because you've won the footy. Congratulations. Stay on the line, and Brian uh, will get your details. It is uh, 11.43 here, mate, and uh, we'll be back very shortly with a, a couple of texts, maybe, uh, and then handing over to staff, of course service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
All right, let's get through some uh, texts, and I thank you for them. Pete says, uh, Smithy, that Lucy Jenkins had a huge game for Matatu on the weekend. She's a real comer, and she certainly wouldn't look out of place in the Black Ferns. Uh, look out for Lucy Jenkins. Saturday afternoon, 2.05 FMG Stadium. Uh, hi, uh, Ian, my team for the first one-day international. This is from uh, Scott. Uh, Alan, Ravindra, Young, Latham, Blundell, Phillips, Chapman, Bose, Shipley, Sodi. Ferguson, a lot of batting there, a heck of a lot of batting, resting Henry and Tickner, there's a lot of batting there, Scotty from the Naki, uh, yes, uh, Phillips at six, like to see Phillips uh, a little bit sooner in the batting line up there, um, and perhaps a little bit more focus on uh, another bowler in there, Lister maybe, um, thank you for that. Uh, Marina Smithy, I think Razor should come out in the media and fully support Fozzie going forward to the World Cup. Interesting point of view, Marshy from Hawke's Bay. Quite like that idea. Uh, from Duncan, I don't know the answer to this, but I would imagine because uh, he wasn't proven to be cheating at the time. Um, hi, Smithy, what happens to Zane Robertson's records? I would imagine they still stand. I mean, if he uh, was tested in the event um, that pertained to those records and found to be um, a doper, a cheat... Uh, then he would have uh, lost uh, those, that performance. That would be eradicated as you do a gold medal or something as, in that point. So I would be thinking um, that that would be the case with uh, Zane Robertson. Any records that he's got will stand um, on the basis that he was not doping at the time. Uh, hey, Smithy, um, I love you, but can we stop the pity party, the pity party on uh, Foster? He has been involved with the All Blacks for a decade. Uh, gets to do a job most people in New Zealand would kill for and gets paid ridiculous amount for it. I think he's pretty damn lucky. There are thousands of coaches uh, around the country who would kill for his job. He had a chance. It hasn't gone well. And, and uh, this happens in business every day. It needs to be put a bit more maturity around this topic, less emotion, more reality. Okay, uh, interesting point of view. Take that on board. Uh, are we, uh, Logan, you might be able to help with this one. Kevin saying, are we planning to give any coverage build up to the All Whites game this week? Uh, I'm not quite sure. I haven't heard anything. We haven't been advertising anything yet. Uh, well, I think he means in terms of are we going to do anything on this show? But I'm quite keen to do something tomorrow for sure in terms of yep, looking okay. back on what would be last night's performance and then looking ahead to the next one being played in Wellington. Yeah, if we, if we can, we'll try and get uh, uh, Darren Baisley or someone out of the coaching group, I think. That would be, we'll, we'll give it a go anyway, uh, Kevin, on your behalf tomorrow. So, yeah, a lot of uh, interest in that game tonight against uh, China. Um, and uh, Sean has uh, been quizzing you about the breakers. You've answered that one as well. So I think we've cleaned up the text line, the temper bo- uh, bedpost text machine line. So, uh, Logan, uh, we shall take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll have uh, two or three minutes with staff to hand over.